Sports, 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 man, toe, toe, sports, 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 man, toe, toe, sports, 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 man, toe, toe, sports, 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 sports. Wow, thanks, Shane, for that awesome theme song. Welcome to Sportman Toe. This is Spike Friedman alongside Shane Ryan. Shane, how are you today, and what inspired you on that theme? Well, you know, thanks, Spike. I'm doing well. It's always good to uh, be back hanging with you on the old podcast. Um, what inspired me to that theme? You know, I just the, mostly it was the title of our. Um, of our podcast, Sportmanteau, uh-huh. that was the lyrical inspiration for it. Um, and the musical inspiration, which in my mind is just as important when you're writing songs, um, yeah. was just I wanted to throw some random notes together because, frankly, whatever I sang, I don't recognize. <laughs> you might maybe, maybe having heard it, you have a, a different take. Maybe it's a for two- me, it sounded like y'all ready for this. Okay, okay, yeah. See, but that- that's just to my untrained ear. Well, a lot of times artists, you know, when asked for the meaning of their work, will say it's whatever, you know, the the reader or the listener takes from it. And so this is a great example. You know, I I put together uh, a meaningless stretch of melodic notes uh, and you thought it was, you know, it sounded like y'all ready for this. Y'all ready for this. You know what I mean? Uh huh. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of art. And uh, yeah, you're welcome, I guess. I do find art to be beautiful. There's a couple things in life that are beautiful. Art is one of them. Uh, I think the world, like nature, is the second one. Nature is a good one, yeah. I would say love. Um, love is beautiful. But really, nature and love are God's art, so maybe it all falls under art in the end. Yeah. Uh, what about cats? Um, I mean, you could call them nature. Um, I personally don't find cats beautiful independently, but I can see where people would. Okay. Um, you're, you're, you're more of a pet man than me. I don't like pets. I think they're, they carry allergens. They're, there's dander and dandruff. Um, and Not I don't have much dandruff. If I'm going to be totally honest, I, as a human produce more dandruff than my two pets. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I just, I, I don't know. I've never been, I always wonder if it's, um, if are it's... you allergic to animals? Oh yeah. Before... I, I've been allergic. Oh. I've been, and I used to be like, not like bad, like I'd choke or anything, but it used to be horrible. Like if I went into a house with the wrong kind of dog, be itching all over, coughing, throat would get all phlegmy and clogged up. But I wonder if it's that, like, was it always my allergies that turned me off to animals or is it just a coincidence that I'm just an asshole? <laughs> like, do I, do I lack like a nurturing ability or something? I, I would, uh, I would, uh, you know, I'm going to table that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer that. Okay. Okay. You know, because I don't want I don't want people at home to think I'm going soft on the whole Shane issue, but I also don't want you to think I'm going hard on the whole Shane issue. So I'm gonna just table that. Okay, that makes sense, and that's fair. Yeah. Uh, should we talk some sports? I think so, man. There's got to be something. Sportman Toe, the original comedy podcast. That's right. There's got to be something out there happening. Oh boy, is there ever? Really? Is there? Ever. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, you know, you know what's happening is coming up soon, hockey season, which we're not talking about. Yep. But always close to hockey season is basketball season. And did you know, Shane, that this basketball season is starting earlier than most basketball seasons have started? No. Is that true? It is true. They are adjusting the schedule to decrease back to back games, which to any normal observer would seem like a good thing because back to back games increase the risk of injury. And lead to coaches like Greg Popovich benching. benching. Yeah. Uh, but there's one 
hot take artist who disagrees. Charles Barkley <laughs> came out publicly saying he is angry that the NBA has moved up the start of the season uh, to reduce back-to-back games, saying, quote, you know these poor babies can't play back-to-back games anymore. They're making 20 30 $40 million a year, but we want to make it convenient for them. We can't stress them out, so we're just going to make it more comfortable for them. The private jets weren't enough. So, Shane, my question for you is, uh, where do you fall on back-to-backs? Are you on Team Barkley, or are you on Team everybody other than Charles Barkley? No, I'm on Team Barkley here. I think... <laughs> I think the big thing for me is that uh, people who did things in the past always did them correctly and that people who do things in the present are weak-willed, namby-pamby millennials. Uh, And so I'm with Barkley on this, you know? I I think three games in a row. For me, why can't they play a baseball-type schedule? Yeah. How long would it take an NBA season if you played baseball style? You could probably do it in, like, three months, right? You get the whole Well, there are 82 games. You can do six games a week. Yeah, you get that done in, yeah, exactly. Three months, maybe three and a half months if we're going to keep an all-star break, which again, oh my God, kids these days, they all need to be all-stars. They get their participation all-star trophies. And it's like, come on. Back in the day, there wasn't an all-star game. There was just one game. Yeah. Basketball. For me, I go back to the only time sports was pure was when the ancient Aztecs played Chilachli and the games yeah. lasted like it was a ridiculous, stupid game that lasted like three weeks because it was hard to score a goal. What's ridiculous or stupid? Are you going to disrespect the sun god like that? No, Shane? no. Quetzalcoatl is, is my god. and I would never do that. Uh, but, you know, what I'm saying is, Spike, it was pure. OK, they, someone scored a goal and then everyone got beheaded. Is, is my understanding of it. Uh, that was when sports was pure. But, yeah, going back to it, you know, you get a, a league done in three months. You could have four NBA seasons every year um, because offseason, to me, that's more pampering. Uh, and that's the one thing where I would say to Barkley, you had an offseason, so you were pampered too. Uh, you know, I think I think he he's right on everything, except maybe he should have some accountability there. But then think about it. If you're an NBA player, Spike, what's your ultimate goal? Answer to win championships, Right. Steph yeah. Curry, if he cared about championships, he could win four in a year. Okay, he could win four in a year. He could score more points than anybody in you know history uh, because they'd be playing quadruple the number of games any team played. Why don't we do this? Get on, get on! Like, stop being a bunch of pussies. I'm sorry to say it, Spike, but this Oof. is not a censored podcast, so we're allowed nope. to say the word pussy. These guys are nope. pussies. Athletes are pussies. They're weak. Nope. I would beat any of them up if they challenged me because they're such weak pussies. I just well, and, I, I, look, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying and how you're saying it. Thank you. Uh, but I also want to point out because you're saying we could get four seasons in a year and that's great. But I just want to point out that what is happening now, the cost of extending the season, starting the season 10 days earlier. Uh-huh. I mean, that ruins everything. Having a basketball season start October 18th, that's crazy. I mean, you might as well just rip up, you might as well rip up Jim Namath. You might as well rip up his body. Jim, you dig Jim, him up. <laughs> yep. I agree. Well, rip it up. What, am, what am I supposed to tell my kids, Spike, in 10 years when they go, Daddy, I want to go trick-or-treating. And all of a sudden, oh, sorry, sorry, son, NBA basketball is on. Nobody's giving out candy anymore. 
You know, yeah, and and to be clear, they used to start on Halloween. Now it's like not only is NBA basketball on, but it's been on for weeks. So been no on for weeks. Did. There's no. Oh. There's gonna be no candy. Is my point. Yeah. There's gonna be no candy. They're gonna have eaten candy already. Oh. Yeah. No more. Might as well cancel the World Series. The Fall Classic is now Clippers versus Milwaukee Bucks on October nineteenth. Yeah, Jabari Parker, or like J J Jabari. Parker, wow! Yeah, you call you Jabari Snarker because you just buried that guy in uh, in a in a whole uh, autumn leaf pile of snark. No, it's I'm a- not gonna lie. I was sweating buckets <laughs> as, as I realized I had no quip on Jabari Parker's name. Yeah, um, well, I don't have one either. But uh, sweating buckets is a good basketball pun if it makes you feel better. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it does. Good. Oh. Man, so I'm glad we covered that. I'm glad that we've uh, we've given the kids what for. Hey, and at this point, most of the NBA players are younger than me, so I feel like that's fun. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I actually am legitimately curious. On a serious note, if I'm going to turn into a crabby old man, the older I get. Um, so you and I, me more than you, I'm 34. You're you're 30, well, Spike. You're uh, 31. You're 31. 31. We're getting to the point where. And I'm quickly getting there where there's going to be nobody younger than us playing professional sports or sorry, nobody older than us playing or our age playing professional sports, which is weird. Um, And it's something I even thought about as a kid being like, like when you're 10 and 12, it's easy to look up to them because they're older than you. Then it gets a little weirder when you're twenties because they're contemporaries basically, or a little bit older, like, you know, like the age of an older brother. Soon it's going to be like they're the age of a younger brother, then the age of a son and grandson um, basically what I'm asking is, am I going to, how is that going to affect me mentally? Am I going to become resentful of them because I see my own failures mounting as life goes on and I see my own death becoming closer. And I know that these physical specimens not only are superior genetic humans to me, but are going to live longer just because they're younger. Uh, am I going to become resentful and like Joe Morgan and Charles Barkley and all these old crabs who secretly like the impetus behind all of their stupid arguments is that they just like hate that there's younger people that are like enjoying the prime of their lives and they're not anymore. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I will say I was, uh, have you seen the clip from the Michael K podcast that people should look up of just a guy yelling about how the Giants offensive line is bad and you don't need stats to tell you that. And he starts yelling about how like Pythagoras never watched the game. And it is <laughs> wild. It is wild. It's just this like old, like overweight dude just getting red in the face, screaming about Pythagoras not having watched football. <laughs> and and I and I'm not gonna lie, I was watching it and I'm like, yeah, he's not wrong. You know, yeah. I don't need stats to know the Giants offensive line is garbage. And I'm a guy who, you know, I was an econometrics major in college. I like, I feel like I know about stats, but I am also like, yeah, I don't, I don't really need stats to know how bad the Giants offensive line is. That said, I don't personally blame Pythagoras for the issues. Well, for the Giants. don't let him off easy, though. Don't let Pythagoras yeah. off easy on this one. Yeah, I mean, look, zone blocking schemes are just right triangles turned wrong, if you ask me. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> uh, no, that's good. Yeah, it's um, Pythagoras never did watch American football. He's right about that. There are certain things in sports that are kind of beyond stats, right? Like probably blocking. I mean, you can measure pancakes, yeah. but that's like a dumb measure because it's just like a dramatic measure. It's like well, and, and the the best things. I mean, like you can have like total pressure rate, but it's very difficult to isolate individual offensive lineman performances because what they're being asked to do is so specific each play. You know, to calculate any real percentages off of it, you're like, and you have such a small sample size of in-game action. Yeah. And what they're going up against is radically different every week. Like, you're up against a three-four, you're up against a four-three, you're up against blitzing linebackers. You're not, you know, like totally. Yeah. And it's like, but it is kind of easy if you're super into a team and watching them, and like maybe you watch tape or replays or whatever. It is kind of easy to be like, oh, our right guard is fucking terrible. Yeah. It's really easy as the fan <laughs> of the Seattle Seahawks. Let me tell you, folks, Riso Diombo, you watch the tape on him and you're like, oh, this is uh, very bad. This is very bad for the ball, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I'm yeah, I'm with that fan. I'm with, like, also, it's stupid. Like, sports is inherently supposed to be emotional and, like, uh, performative. So, I, I think, like, stats rule, and I'm a stats head, just like you, Spike. Uh, even though Statman Crothers, Statman Crothers, uh, my stats come more from the gut than yours. Uh, you're more of a, n- a numbers stats guy, but I like them. But yeah, no, there's gotta be some kind of like, uh, you know, uh, it's gotta come from the bowels sports sometimes. And yeah, that New York city guy, I gotta look that up. Cause he sounds good. Hey, yeah. speaking of looking things up, Spike, Whoa, segue king! If you look up on the internet, there's a story about... Oh, Alright, so there's a guy named Pat Neshek, okay? He is a Colorado Rockies relief pitcher. Who's yeah. actually He's actually really good. He he played for the Twins for a while. Uh, good pitcher, you know? He's, always, I'm not going to lie, I always thought it was pronounced Neshek. It could be. It totally could be. I've never heard it pronounced. I'm just reading it for the first time in my life on a on a. Okay, while well, you do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to look up how it's pronounced. So keep talking. Okay, uh, so Pat Neshek uh, is not only a relief pitcher, but he's an autograph hound. So he's like a no. Oh. He's called in this ESPN story I'm reading. He's called a noted autograph hound. So yeah. he goes around getting autographs from other players, um, and it's like I guess it's kind of normal. It's not or it's not that abnormal in Major League Baseball for players to do this. And he gets, you know, everyone's happy to sign for him, it seems like, except Zach Greinke, who uh, at the time of this story was with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, what? So, wait, what am I saying? No, 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 I'm sorry. Nishak. Nishak was with the Phillies, yeah. No, and so he was, uh, so obviously Greinke plays for the Diamondbacks. So he was at the All-Star game, Nishak was with the Phillies, and he asked him for an autograph. And basically Granky said, okay. Then later when, uh, when the, uh, Phillies are sorry, when the Rockies were visiting the diamondbacks, he kind of backed out on it in a weird way. So yeah. Nishek, what he did, he went on the internet to a message board forum that he frequents for autograph hounds. And his, his username is heat 17, which is a good, you know, it's a good pitcher username. Mm-hmm. And, he, and here's what he wrote. I'm going to read part of his response or part of what he wrote on the message board here. And this is what Nishek wrote. This is what Nishek wrote about his encounter with his encounters with Granky. He said, I asked him at the All-Star game if he would sign for me, and he said he would. So a couple of weeks ago, we played them, and I sent over the cards I needed signed. Basically, three league leaders cards with Kershaw and Wainwright already done, and two from 2015 to complete the set. He said no. I waited around for him during batting practice and went up to him, and he totally denied having the conversation at the All-Star game. I then asked why this was a problem, and he said it's because, quote, I wear him out. And so Nishak continues, hard to wear someone out when he has never signed for me. This is the only a-hole in Major League Baseball that has been a turd to me. 
Um, so he keeps going, and I'll summarize the rest. Basically, he was like, look, can you just do this? It'll take five seconds. Just draw a little Z on them for me. He said, no, I'll never sign for you. And then later, Granky was jogging by him, and Nishek, like lost it and told him what he thought of him. And Granky just kept on jogging and said, I wouldn't even sign for your kid if he asked. Uh, yeah, and so then you know, Nishak concludes, I'm done with this guy. Like, forget it. I'm never going to deal with him again. Um, now, there's another wrinkle to this story before I get your take, Spike, which is that Nishak called Granky socially awkward, but we know that Granky yeah. has, uh, he actually has social anxiety disorder. He was diagnosed in 2006. He's kind of been pretty um, semi-public about it. Like, he's talked about it before. So who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy here? I've got my opinions, but I want to, I'm going to throw it to you because this is a, it's a tough one. I think it is tough because Grinky's battles with depression and social anxiety have been so publicly covered that Nishek should know that he might be the sort of person to act like this and that publicly shaming him is ridiculous. Also being an autograph hound while being a major league pitcher is weird to me. But I guess it makes sense because, like, you'd have to care a lot about baseball to, like, commit your life to being, like, a baseball player. So I guess it makes sense. You know what? I think the good guy in this for me, and he only mentioned his name once, is uh, Adam Wainwright, who signed <laughs> the card first. Clayton Kershaw, bandwagon jumper. You know, there's no, there's nothing heroic in being the second guy yeah. who isn't Spartacus to stand up and say, I am Spartacus. Or the one so that say, oh, captain, my captain, the second one up on the desk. Yeah, exactly. Second guy on the desk, nobody cares. Well, although I, although I will say, though, one guy on a desk, you're leaving him hanging. That's second true. Guy matters. It's really the third guy who's important. Like The third, third guy, guy third guy's matter. the coward. Yeah, the second guy is very important. And so maybe that's what Grinky was trying to avoid. He's like, if I sign this card and I'm the third guy to sign the card, that makes me the classic third O captain, my captain, third Spartacus guy who is relegated to the sands of history. Yep. In yeah, and so I think I think actually weirdly <laughs> Nishek put Grinky in a much more uncomfortable position than he realized as the third I am Spartacus guy leaving him in a no-win situation where either he's the third I am Spartacus guy or he's the guy who turns Spartacus over to the Romans. And so for me, Nishek is the bad guy, but only because he didn't think about the need to simultaneously get autographs two and three on the three autograph card. That's right. Yeah, you don't want to be the third autograph guy. I think you're right. I think, you know, Granky faced a dilemma. Am I the irrelevant third Spartacus or do I get my name in the news by just refusing him? And he, yeah. he did. He found a way to turn it and make it so that people are going to remember his name. Um, yeah. your, th your whole thing maybe uh, reminds me, have you ever been out with a group of people at a sporting event where you, try, you decide that you're going to try to start like a chant or a cheer? Okay, sure. Yeah. And so it's like it's very important that someone backs you up, the second one, right? It's like, yeah. it's critical. Now, the other thing is that it can't be like the worst person in the group. It can't be like the nerdiest yeah. person because that just makes you look bad and nobody wants to join because you already look weird. But Wait, if it, Shane, I've never had that happen where like someone else is like the worst person in the group and like everyone's like, oh God, this guy. I've never, I've never had that vibe around someone else. What do you think that is? Spike, I've got some terrible news for you. What? It's because you don't have any friends and you've never been out in public. Oh, uh. Okay. I just, uh, I don't know if you could hear that, but I just, um, 
I have, no, I, could... I, I have an empty soda here, and I felt like it would be funny well, in that awkward moment just to just to suck on the empty soda can. All right. Um, no, <laughs> it's because you're it's because you're the most awkward, Spike. You, you do this. <laughs> you, you classic do this. I know. But so going back to this, I will say I give Nishek a pass on the autograph thing because I, it seems like it was a hobby since he was a kid. And I'm okay with him keeping that going, uh, even though he happens to be in the major leagues. It's a little weird. I agree with you. I lean on the side, and I, I've dealt with anxiety too, like a lot of people have, like all of us have. I feel like it's easy for Granky to sign the fucking cards. Like, what's his deal? It's not, I think he's getting a pass on this anxiety and depression stuff. Just sign the fucking cards. Like, originally, he just sent them to the locker room, Nishak. He didn't even confront him. I don't know, man. I think, I think Granky's kind of a dickhole. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, just sign the card. I agree. Well, and like, what, like, yeah, it's crazy to not do it. Like, why wouldn't he do it? But also I say crazy in that moment. I realize, you know, I'm playing with stigmatizing. And I guess that's the thing, right? Is it's like hard to be like, we know this guy deals with mental health issues. And so what the, but also, yeah, like also man, like, or don't even sign, hand the card to freaking uh, to, to Paul Goldschmidt and have him sign the card for you. You know, <laughs> just get fake autographs. Yeah. Um, well, I feel well, like Nishak would be so mad about that. He's like, I got oh, Kershaw and Wainwright's autograph on this, and Greeky gets me Paul Goldschmidt's autograph. <laughs> oh, I like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. If Greeky got someone else to sign it, someone worse. <laughs> it's like going, I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Jesus. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> like that guy is a hero. Yeah, I like it. I wish. I also think it'd be funny if Greeky actually just signed it himself, but with somebody else's name. Not even like he went to Goldschmidt. He just himself signed Goldschmidt's name. That would be funny. Um, So what about channel your inner Charles Barkley spike and respond to this situation? Uh, You don't have to do his voice. (laughs) So we got grown men here, right? These These are theoretically grown men who are arguing over a signature on a baseball card, grown men. I think we got boys here. Boys who don't deserve to be paid to play the game anymore. If you are either willing to ask for an autograph on a card or not willing to sign a card, either way, you should be docked your entire salary because you're not a man and boys don't get paid to play. When you got child labor, you don't pay them. When you got men laboring, then you pay them. And let me add this, they should be paid less even if they didn't do the thing I said because I said so. Nice. Very nice. I thought I was hearing Barkley himself for a moment there. Wow, I didn't mean to do the voice. Speaking (laughs) of getting paid too much or too little as a professional baseball player, have you you heard about Raul Mondesi? Who? So the Raul Mondesi, yes. uh, former Yankee, former Dodger, 1994 Rookie of the Year, was just sentenced to eight years in prison in the Dominican Republic. Yep. After for corruption related to the mishandling of public funds, while he served as mayor of his hometown of San Cristobal in the Dominican Republic. Now. This is like a bit of a crazy story. It looks like he defrauded the city of more than $6 million during his time as mayor from 2010 to 2016 uh, and was fined about $1 million. I don't know 
um, specifically if there's like a shortening of this jail term or whatever. But this is a long time to serve for a guy who earned over the course of his career in just salary, $66.4 million. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you is, given the chances for a mayor to be accused of corruption or something along those lines, why is Raul Mondesi serving as mayor in a town? Like, what? Like, if you were Raul Mondesi, hypothetically, Shane, I want you to mm -hmm. put yourself in his shoes. In 2010, you've retired, you know, you've got it all. You can go home, you can make a difference. At what point are you thinking, I need to be the executive of my town and responsible for public fiscal budgets in a cash-strapped state, or in this case, uh, nation-state, Rather than simply providing outside advice, why put yourself in that risk, Shane? I yeah, I'm with you, man. I don't get it. Um, I'm, uh, it's one thing to say, you know, I have, I feel like I have a civic responsibility after my career is over to serve my community and to, you know, I'm, or even that I'm politically ambitious. That's fine. Um, but to then just go be a corrupt mayor is like it's yeah. very funny to me. I mean. We don't know what his financial situation is. Obviously, there's a long, lurid history of people making lots of money in sports and blowing it all very quickly. Uh, so maybe he that $66 million was all down the tank somehow. But yeah, it, it's very strange for this 46-year-old dude who, in theory, could live like a great life in the Dominican Republic, be a hero, could kind of do whatever he wants, could run for mayor, whatever, to use that to defraud the city of $6 million dollars. Um, which doesn't seem like a lot over, like you said, it's like a seven year period. I think that he served. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a lot of money for sure, but in terms of like, in terms of like a city budget, yeah, it's, it's kind of peanutty. Um, and, but well, it, it makes, makes you, yeah, well, no, it, yeah. And it makes you wonder too, like maybe there were like mob interests there or, or things like that, that, that played well, into I it. just feel like you're potentially by taking the, being a mayor of any big, you know, you think about, Rod Blagojevich or Marion Barrett, like by being even slightly corrupt as, as an executive, you're just putting yourself at risk for this. I feel like mayors go to jail all the time and like all it takes is like someone on the other side of some issue to like look a little more closely at a construction, you know, a construction deal that went to your buddy and like your buddy was competent, you know, or what, you know, and it's just like, oh boy, now you're in jail forever. Like, it, it just seems like a weird thing to do if you're not a career politician. Yeah. And then, but also these things are inevitably complicated. So you don't know, yeah. like, again, there could be criminal interests. He could be a fall guy. You know what I mean? For, for like a group of people who did defraud, uh, he might not know about it, or he could be a kingpin, or he could just be a stupid patsy that happened to be the one who was like the most publicly visible. Um, eight years in jail, though. Eight years Ooh. is tough. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, how long is Blagojevich? Is he still in prison? I mean, he probably. I believe so. I think but... he's still there. Um, I'll I'll tell you in one second. But he was probably, if so, he was sentenced to at least eight years. Yeah, he was fourteen years. Uh, yeah, sentenced to prison. I I don't know what his um, I don't know how much money he defrauded or uh, whatever. But yeah, so it's like they treat that corruption. I mean, I guess the real lesson here is if you want to, um. If you want to get away with defrauding people out of millions, be a banker and you will never go to jail. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the real lesson. But yeah, I don't know. It's I wish there were more information on this because it seems like the start of a you know what it seems like? It's going to be a sweet like Wright Thompson feature in about eight months. Yeah. Yeah. 
And for, again, I think the real lesson here is just don't pick up the civic duty at all. Leave it to the bankers. Leave it to the real estate magnates. You know, they've got our best interests at heart. And, yeah, so just don't get involved in any meaningful way in public life. Yeah, and I think you could extend it from there to saying that the government shouldn't be involved in public life because yeah. business and capital will take care of itself. Um, yeah. There's, you know, just off the top of my head, thinking of two French words, laissez and faire, that would apply here. Uh, just let well, for me, no, no, for me, I think it's even beyond laissez and faire because that suggests just letting it happen. Sure. But for me, I'm like, if you look at a dollar bill and you see the all-seeing eye on it, that eye is actually a living organism on every single dollar bill. And I think you should just let the dollar bills, you should put them all in a pile and let them form into the dollar monster that they form when you get enough <laughs> dollars in one room uh -huh. and let that dollar monster be president, but not just president, but also the not the chief justice, but three of the other justices on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And then, the you know, of course, according to the prophecy, when that happens, the corpse of Ayn Rand will come back to life. And travel yeah. the country like Johnny Appleseed, but instead of collecting Appleseed, she'll be whipping poor people um, yeah. after their stints in the coal factory or whatever. So yeah, it's a good, factory. it's good. That's what we can take from Roe Mondesi. Yeah, <laughs> the coal factory where they make coal. Yep. Yeah, we get it. Hey, yep. Spike. Hey, Shane. Speaking of coal. Okay. Um, West Virginia's coal country, as you know. Uh, but, but you know, a country that's like, or a state that's like West Virginia is Oklahoma. And there's a oh. little basketball player in Oklahoma that I like to call Kevin Durant. He doesn't um, play in Oklahoma anymore. So <laughs> sure. Sure. He doesn't play there anymore. He's with the warriors now, but he did. Okay. Um, yeah. but if you ask yeah. me, those coal miners in West Virginia, they're a kind of warrior, uh, in their own way, going to war in the coal mines every day. I mean, I respect that you went from West Virginia to Oklahoma rather than just going right next door to Virginia where De Kevin Durant grew up. Well, that's true. Um, where is he from in Virginia? Is he, he's not Newport News, is he? Uh, he's D.C. area. Gotcha. Um, so Kevin Durant, I mean, this is not really any kind of story, but it was on ESPN's front page today. He did an article in San Francisco Magazine where uh, – Basically, like ESPN's thing was like, oh, he opened up about his lowest moment um, after uh, after signing with the Warriors, which already is like a stupid premise because it's the freaking Warriors. Like, it's a fine move. Like, what's what's the problem? Like, yeah, you knew you were going to get shit on for going to a good team, but you're probably going to go win multiple championships. Um, and so anyway, the San Francisco Magazine story, which for some reason is on the website modernluxury.com, um, goes through this quote unquote lowest moment. Um, so Durant is talking to the interviewer, um, and he's upset that people in Oklahoma city didn't like that he left. And so, uh, basically an agent was there when he was in this hotel in China and the agent whose name is Kleiman says, we were all messed up on jet lag. And I was up at 6am and he calls me and says, yo, are you up? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, why the fuck did you let me do this to my life? And I'm like, oh shit, I'm coming over to your room. And then Durant says, the hotel was rock bottom. And then the next sentence is, together they got through it. So other than the word fuck, which is mildly interesting, I take this little anecdote, along with all the shitty Players' Tribune um, articles that I've seen from him, such as my next chapter, which starts, this has been by far the most challenging few weeks in my professional life. And that was the one where he announced that he was going to Golden State. Um, 
Or no, it was a few months after, but it was basically like his justification. All I'm trying to say here, Spike, in this long-winded preamble, is that Kevin Durant is fucking boring, and I kind of hate him. Um, well, I mean, you've heard about what he's been doing this week, right? Or like all the other Kevin Durant news that came out? Well, no, keep, uh, keep me up to it. I should know, but I don't. Yeah, so he has a bunch of Twitter accounts, like ghost Twitter accounts, where he gets in fight with people who criticize him. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, so he's been, he's been. I, I heard about his like dumb sneaker wars or the dumb sneaker things that he like. But no, he then it then came out like the next day that he's been getting in Twitter fights with people under pseudonymous accounts. What? Uh, and has been throwing his old Oklahoma City teammates under the bus. That's and, insane. Yeah, and so I think with Kevin Durant, we might be re- reaching a weird sort of. A Roddy tipping point, maybe? And I say this as someone wow. who's on the record as, as, as kind of liking A Rod, but it is that thing of like, this guy is weird. Like, this is all weird. And it's like, yeah, together. And, and, and I don't like it anymore. And like, you can set aside with all the Golden State stuff, like, what, you know, going to a winner and all that. But like, and, like, I always felt like LeBron got a bad rap for the Miami stuff, given that, like, all the heat he took was about the decision, which was, like, a dumb TV show. Good that... pun. Good pun. Oh, God damn it. Keep going. But it was raising money for the Boys and Girls Club. I mean, like, yeah, LeBron yeah, yeah. never really did anything, like, that weird. And, like, his, like, public persona is pretty much totally recovered. He's like an interesting guy. He's political. And he's someone who had the spotlight foisted upon him at like the age of like 11. Right. And and within basketball circles, Kevin Durant did, but not to the degree that LeBron did. No. So you've got, you've got in, in Kevin Durant now, like a freaking weirdo. He's a weird, and, and maybe even A-Rod isn't the right comparison, but another guy who's having these like awkward reclamation stories written about him. And it's Dwight Howard. And Durant's yes. skill set has not devolved the way Howard's has, but like it's a bummer to me. And like, why does this happen? Like, and, like, it, and I don't know. Like, part of it is just like not a lot of people are wired for the level of fame whereby everybody is talking shit about you even when you win. And like with Kevin Durant, like he won the title last year, and not everyone was talking shit about him, but to his perspective, if he logs on to Twitter, there are at any given moment, like any given minute, there's a hundred people tweeting like shit about Kevin Durant. Yes. And it's yes. the rare part. Like if that were true about me, if there were a hundred tweets a minute about how much I suck, even when I win the fucking title, like I would lose my mind. No, no, I, no. Here, I'm going to stop you because you wouldn't. You're a fucking, like, adult, and no, I know it seems I like... I, no, you wouldn't. Spike, mind. you wouldn't. I know you're saying that now, but you wouldn't. You would fucking... No, you would I learn wouldn't. to deal with it. You would learn to no. deal with it. You would not be driven crazy by the fact that a hundred fucking randos are talking shit about you. Right now, if it happened, you'd have a terrible, like, week, and then you'd fucking move on, and you wouldn't be a whiny, like, bitch like Kevin Durant is. I would 100% lose my... I, look, I've had, like, weird Twitter moments and so have you where both of us have been like this is fucking weird and sucks yeah. imagine if that was literally 24-7 every day after your greatest triumph imagine like if after like I don't know what if after you have your kid 
in like a couple weeks. People like hopped online and were like, Shane's still sterile. Like <laughs> that would actually be amazing. That would be funny kinda, as hell. And I kind of want that hashtag to trend. Shane's still sterile. <laughs> yeah, if anybody <laughs> shit. If anybody listens to this and tweets Shane's still sterile at us, we'll like it, right? Or we'll we'll respond to you on Twitter. Um no, but like, yeah. I, but I feel like I feel like the thing is, it 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 sucks when shit like that happens to us because it's so rare for us. I think if it happened all the time, like either you kill yourself in a week or like you fucking are fine with it after a month. Not maybe maybe not fine with it, but it's not going to like. I certainly wouldn't start fake accounts to argue with them, and neither would you. Like, I think it's like I, I just think that's a little bit too letting him off the hook. Um, the A Rod comparison is interesting, but A Rod is more like. He's definitely insecure and he does weird things, but I feel like he's more like a Russell Wilson type where it's just like a strange kind of personality. I think Dwight Howard is a better comparison where it's like, like pure phoniness mixed with like kind of like a whiny, like personality. I don't know. Like when, like when Kevin Durant, like when people were trying to come up with a nickname for him years ago, when he called himself, like, he's like, I want to be called the servant. It was already like, Oh, that's lame. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're very much trying to like, paint a certain image or something. I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know what I'm saying, except that it's just, it is vaguely A-Rod like it's to me, it's more Dwight Howard like, and it's unsettling and weird, just like you said. And I don't know, man, well, I get, I, I, I think, I'm with you. And I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is like at a certain point, like society is that, He's just like torturing famous people. And if you're not yeah, yeah. Donald Trump, who like seems to get off on it and is so self-deluded as to like not be able to engage with the criticism, like in a weird way, he is the person designed for this media environment. And like wh- this media environment sucks. Yeah, it's like, terrible. It sucks. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. And like it, and and like there's no how do we go back like how do we how do we make this better in any way it just is like oh man like kevin durant is so good at basketball like he's so good at it he's crazy good he's seven foot like he keeps growing he's seven foot nine at this point he shoots the three at a 40 percent clip he's an athletic defender rebound like he's other than LeBron James or and maybe Carl Anthony Towns, he's probably the he's either number two or number three all time in terms of like being born to play this game, right? Physically right. and mm-hmm. in terms of skill set, and it's like, man, what a goddamn bummer that like in response to that and in response to him pairing up with a group of players who are perfectly complementary to his skill set and achieving the highest heights he's ever achieved. Remember, he got stuck on Rick Barnes's college team. Oh, yeah. so he never made the goddamn Sweet 16. So <laughs> people forget. That's a great. Uh, that's the greatest one of the greatest Spike Friedman about last night bits. Yeah, and so uh and like now that he's done it, it's like he's just getting like Twitter harassed all the time. And it's like come like we need a better society guys that's that's my big takeaway this no, week you're right Ford. i think i think honestly spike you're gonna reach a point and i think we almost got there i don't know if you saw i think it was the atlantic or somewhere like that did this long harrowing story about the effect of smartphones on teens and kids yeah. um I, I i compare it to like the climate right now like we did all these things based on like capitalism and making money we started them back before we knew like what it was you know that it was going to kill the planet 
And then once we knew it, it became so hard to undo it because there was such a profit motive in it and it was so entrenched so that now we're in a situation where really we're not doing shit about it on a national level. And a lot of people are making choices on an individual level to do the best they can, but it's not good enough. Right. And I think the internet is going to be the same exact dynamic. I think more and more, like more of these studies are going to come out and it's not just going to be limited to kids. I think it's going to be like, this is bad for adults in these ways. And it's bad for kids in these ways and on and on. And it's going to be a thing of like, oh shit, we need to do something about the internet. Like we need to not have the internet anymore or like at least have it in like very like reduced form. Um, and like people cannot be on it all day cause it's an addictive, it's just as bad as any other addictive drug. Uh, and we're not going to be able to do it because it's going to be the same thing like the climate because we're so, first of all, we're so addicted. And, if, and also it's just such a huge money-making venture at this point that it's going to be people being like, oh yeah, my kid's not going to have a smartphone or a computer till he's 18 or she's 18. Or like, I'm yeah. going to limit my internet use to one hour a night or whatever. And the rest of society is going to fucking crumble along with everything because not enough people do any, uh, it's not enough to like basically turn the, the ship of state around. I agree. And speaking of society crumbling, I want to close out today's episode with one last topic. Great. And that is uh, our hero here at Sportmanteau, Roger Goodell. Rumor is he's about <laughs> to be signed to an extension. Five more years of Roger Goodell, despite Jerry Jones not wanting him to get it after the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, non-suspension nonsense that's been happening. And so... Shane, I wanted to close out today by asking you, and I'll do the same, to talk about why you love Roger Goodell so much for just a minute, and also to maybe, you know, highlight a moment or two from Roger Goodell's life that inspired you to become the man you are today. Sure. Well, Roger Goodell, there's a few things in life I love. Um, (laughs) I love managers as leaders, okay? (laughs) Not inspirational figures, not despots or tyrants. I like people who take over a damaged brand um, and that, that, you know, is something that's kind of like morally questionable, um, verging on, you know, disreputable. And I like someone who manages it, who's very clearly trying to do damage control all the time, who protects the profit motive and the owners at all times and slowly lets, you know, gets a bad reputation because of cowardice, but continues on a path of sort of like, you know, basically being a, a blobby fucking human shield for capitalism. Um, and that's what inspires mm-hmm. me. And I think that's what Roger Goodell's done. So, you know, rather than say, like, do something actually um, do something actually beneficial when you deal with a problem like, you know, CTE and, and all the concussions that happen. And, you know, the epidemic of, of players after their careers or sometimes even during their careers suffering from depression uh, and other mental you know, related things that basically have been conclusively proven to result from all the contact they hit take on their head and a lot of them are killing themselves and things like that rather than admitting that it's a problem and doing something about it he takes what i like to call the big tobacco path which is like to Uh to like dig your heels in and forestall the inevitable outcome as long as possible uh to ensure both that people are making money as long as possible off this and that more as many people as possible can be hurt by it um, well, and I just want to say that uh, unlike Big Tobacco, which, you know, allowed itself to have sort of public hearings, I'm impressed by Goodell's ability to avoid public congressional hearings. Or yes. Apple. You yes, know what I mean? He I did. think he's he took even it, above and beyond. I he, think he's almost an ExxonMobil yeah, you know, figure. You're absolutely right. He stood on the shoulders of giants and he and he went farther than, than they had. Um, 
So, you know, you can go up and down the list. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. uh, he wants to make the schedule longer. I mean, even the stuff he couldn't accomplish, uh, the, the heinous shit that he couldn't accomplish, they the opposition had to fight tooth and nail. Um, you know, he's put a dent yeah. in the players union. I mean, there's so much stuff. And that inspires me to do things like invest in like Israeli defense firms and stuff <laughs> like that um, and make money that way. So, so for, well, and uh, yeah, and I, I think for me, it is money. That is what inspires me about Goodell. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at who the most important person in the NFL is, and you look at, like, an Aaron Rodgers, maybe, arguably the best player in the game today. He signed a five-year, $110 million unguaranteed contract, which makes him $22 million a year, and he's probably the best player in the game. And $22 million a year is a lot of money. And, and you look at someone like Bill Belichick, who is, you know— inarguably at this point the greatest coach in the history of the game the most mm -hmm. important person arguably in football and he makes seven and a half million dollars a year roger goodell makes 34.1 million dollars a year and the way he does it is with a 3.5 million dollar base salary and an annual bonus of 26.5 million dollars Something the players and coaches are not allowed to receive if they were to, say, be the most successful player in a year or in a generation or in my lifetime. <laughs> so for me, what what I love about Roger Goodell is that in a, in a closed system like the NFL, where the only thing that matters is championships and wins and the game itself, we've managed to make the highest paid person associated with the game uh, who doesn't specifically own a team or own the league in any meaningful way. A weird redheaded dude who happened to like come up under another weird guy who didn't really do it. You know, like yep, it's just yep. like guy and not Bill Belichick or Aaron Rodgers. And why I love that is if you like me want to pursue full communism then you need to start with the best people in society not being the most wealthy. And so for me, <laughs> Roger Goodell's inflated salary is the fastest path to full communism. Yeah. And it's the great thing is like uh, this guy's dad, Charlie Goodell, you know, he was a Republican. So I'm not saying he was like greatest man in the world, but he was a vocal opponent of the Vietnam War and lost his Senate seat because of this, because Nixon made him a personal enemy. And... You know, that kind of integrity, obviously... That doesn't sound like Nixon, by the way. Yeah, no, I know. That's that's a weird, like, little... That's a weird footnote in a career uh, of otherwise where he doesn't play political games or, or have, like, ruthless fucking uh, takedowns of enemies. But no, Goodell, Goodell's dad actually seemed to have some principle, and I'm sure he must be so proud to have a son that's basically, like, a fucking high-paid shithead uh, Vichy uh, lackey. Yeah. So it's I agree. Good stuff. Great stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, Spike, uh, we are shit. at forty-five minutes. Oh um, boy! What do you? Uh, what other thoughts are are running around that crazy head of yours? I don't really have much of anything. Uh, Seahawks don't look good. I don't like that. I don't know. No, this is. Uh, it's been a great day. Um, what might you see today? Uh, real quick, Michael Bennett was one of the four that wanted an activism month from our good friend Roger Goodell. <laughs> I did. Uh, what if you were to if you were to in your mind 
write the key sentence that is Roger Goodell saying no to that without ever actually saying no to it? How do you think he phrases it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, okay. All right. What, I, what I'm about to say will probably be too rambly for him, but it would be something like, uh, we have received the request from the four players, uh, and of course we embrace uh, the principle of free speech as outlined in the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and yet we have deepest respect for um, for our you know our soldiers and our troops and our police officers, um, and I just think we're taking it under consideration at this moment, uh, and we will not be commenting further at this time. Uh, okay, can I do mine? Yeah, do yours. You know these poor babies can't play back-to-back <laughs> games. They're making 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year. Spike, I'm going to stop you. You've channeled Charles Barkley again. You have to stop doing it. I'm worried about oh, you. No, I'm Barkley. <laughs> I'm Barkley. I'm Barkley. All right, good stuff, my friend. Um, let's see. To anyone listening out there, uh, this is a free episode, so hopefully, hey, yeah, share it around, show people. And show them, show them the podcast, show them the webpage that the podcast is on and say, if you'd like me to click play, I need some promises from you of money and loyalty uh, to Shane and Spike, because that's what this is all about in the end is building our army for the apocalypse. Right, Spike? Yeah. And um, it's going to happen. It will. It'll happen eventually. Um, the sun can only last so long. So. Yeah, thanks for listening, and I guess we'll see you next week. Is that right, Spike? Final thoughts? Closing parting arguments? No. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. You? Shane, Shane, do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I don't have any. Yeah, great. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>